Welcome to the Sports Block Podcast, the week before the Summit League Tournament. Always exciting. And I am Nathan Stack, and I am pleased to be joined by my friend and co-host of the podcast, Mr. Travis Krins. Travis, how are we doing? It was 42 degrees today. It was good. Yeah. And there's a snowstorm coming, apparently. Uh, best get down to Sioux Falls before the storm hits. Because the Summit League Tournament is on to talk about their... What's that? Wall-to-wall coverage. Wall-to-wall coverage, yes, that's right. Uh, We'll be previewing that, uh, both the men's and the women's tournaments here, uh, later on in the podcast. A heavy majority, the majority of this podcast is going to be spent talking about college basketball. Between the Summit League Tournament, between the... You know, the college basketball scandal, the FBI probe, and everything. So we'll, we'll hit on a couple of other quick things here. First off, um, I don't know if you saw this today, Monday, but uh, it sounds like the Vikings are going to be heavy. Um, they're they're going to go in on Kirk Cousins. They are not going to franchise tag Case Keenum. That's the way it sounds anyway. I don't necessarily agree with this but I don't have a huge problem with it but it sounds like they are going to be heavy favorites to land Kirk Cousins is this a good move I heard about Keenum what, what about Kirk Cousins well, it just, Gil, are these sources are these sources or yeah, what is this yes, uh, Gil Brandt uh, with a you know, long time uh, Dallas Cowboy he's yes he's still, he's still alive he says that he has heard that there's mutual interest on both sides between Cousins and the Vikings, uh, you, I think Ian Rappaport has done some stuff on uh, on this as well. So there is a, a there is a scoop on this. This is now not just rumors, but it sounds like there are sources, multiple sources involved here. Uh, so it, I mean, I don't. It, I'm, I'm I know you're a Keenum guy, and you but it, but between the two, I mean, can we put a, Cousins has had a longer track record of being good, uh, but but he will cost significantly more. The which other... is fine. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with paying him whatever because you know how I feel about NFL contracts. So oh, pay, yes. Pay him I, whatever. Yep. I pay mean, him whatever you got to pay him. The one thing, though, with Cousins is has he really trans, uh, like transcended Washington? You know, has Washington held him back or... I guess it, it just seems like, apart from a few good games, he has not made the throws that they need him to in crucial situations. Now, again, you can look at the team around him, and he has a significantly better team in Minnesota should he join the Vikings. Again, we don't want to talk. There's no collusion or anything going on. Oh, no, there is no collusion. You got to understand that. There is no collusion. Uh, nothing. Yep. Nothing. Uh, by the way, NFL Network's Mike Garofalo, uh, said on Up to the Minute Live on Monday that the Vikings are going to be players for Kirk Cousins. I've been told by that by numerous sources the whole way. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to land him, but I do believe they have a great pitch to make to him as far as a look at our defense, targets, everything we've got, etc., etc. So, I mean, I I get... The, the reason why I like Keenum is because I, I thought he played really well last year, Uh Mobility. He's still fairly young, and Kirk Cousins is in that range too. But if you know if they tagged Keenum, that would be twenty-four million dollars a year. Again, I don't know why you can't go for like a 
you know what, a Blake Bortles-esque contract. Blake Bortles got a three-year extension for $54 million. I would think that a three-year $54 million deal with, with uh, uh, not Kirk Cousins, but Case Keenum would be ex- an acceptable deal. I would say that it would be a fine offer by the Vikings, and I think Keenum would take it uh, just to stay in Minnesota longer. So I, I don't really know what is going to happen here. But again, I'll always hold out the hope that Drew Brees is available, and I would take Drew Brees over Kirk Cousins, no questions asked. But I don't know. It just seems now with this latest news that the Vikings and Kirk Cousins are. It, it just seems like that that's the favorite. That's what's going to happen right now, despite heavy pitches from Denver and the Jets saying they'll write a blank check. Uh, I mean, the Jets, the Jets, that sixty million or whatever they propose. I mean, yeah. that is. Yeah, it just doesn't make. Yeah, I mean he's the best quarterback. The Vikings are the best team. It'd be the best fit. You know, with with Keenum not being back, it looks like. Uh, I've been a big proponent of Ted. So just see where he goes, or you know, if he somehow is comes back as a backup, which I can't can't imagine. but yeah, I would I would think Kirk Cousins is probably going to be the quarterback next year, and I'm fine with that. And I think he'll he'll be better because of the defense. And I mean, Vikings offense has been pretty good. And whenever they bring these guys in, I mean, look at Bradford two years ago. Yeah, maybe had the best year he had. Yep. Uh, and, and Case Keenum by far had the best year that he's had. So. Yep. I mean, if you bring quarterbacks to Minnesota, they do better than they have. Um, Keenum did on, on the Keenum scale. He did amazing mm-hmm. on the on the every other quarterback scale. He was very very good. Um, but what is that sustainable? Maybe maybe not. I mean, Cousins just put together three years. They've been uh, solid years. This last year, I think, was his looking at his stats. This is, I think it was the worst was, year that he's had in the last two or three. Year, yeah. But I would you know. It's, it's intriguing because quarterbacks are not available all that often. Not not in their prime, not like this. No, and maybe this is uh, is this the guy that's finally gonna finally gonna finally gonna win the deal? Uh, we'll just we'll have to wait and see. But um, they've, they've got a window here of a couple years. while that defense is young, and so they've always been one piece away. And the piece that's missing right now is the quarterback. Yep. So if they can get him, they, they've got something, hopefully. Yep, they have the ninth most cap space in the NFL this year, so that, that does bode well in their favor. But I don't want them to sign Kirk Cousins to such a astronomical contract that it becomes a detriment to re-signing guys like Eric Kendricks, like Anthony Barr, like Trey Waynes. You know, those defensive components down, you know, those, or count, you know, those defensive guys down the line, or even offensive guys, like I know they they signed Adam Thielen to a new new deal, but Stephon Diggs is going to need. Yeah, this is Diggs' last year this year. Yep, and I would assume they're going to pick up the option on him. But it's interesting because Case Keenum and Adam Thielen put in a lot of work last off season, and it showed throughout the regular season because Thielen had hit by far his best year as a Viking, as a pro. But you know he's also he's gotten better each and every year, so I I, I would hope that his um, that he's not going to flatline here and uh, 
and you know plateau. That's not good. Right? No. No, it won't. I I would hope that he can continue to ascend and not have his level of play drop off. So that's something interesting. But also, if you look at this. Case Keenum, initials CK, gets the Vikings to the NFC Championship game, they lose. Kirk Cousins, initials KC. Look at this. Now they, you, know, you can just flip the result of the NFC Championship game, and the Vikings are in the Super Bowl. Just look what I did there. That absolutely has no bearings on how this season is going to play out. But uh, interesting to say the least. I don't know what's going to happen. I hope uh, that Kirk will be willing to take a little less Um. To, to land in Minnesota, if that's uh, if that's the way they go, but uh, certainly... I think I think he's going to be the. Do you think, I think he's going to be the guy. Okay, and you would be you okay with so? that. How much of an how much of an upgrade? Like, does this make the Vikings Super Bowl favorites in the NFC? The odds makers may say yes. Um, I think it makes them a little better. But obviously, I mean, I'm not expecting them to ever win anything. So, I mean, it's just another guy to add to the list of guys who came here and failed. So, I mean, I mean you know, just plug anybody in there, whatever. I mean, it, it's not going to make a difference, but it's, it should be fun. They should win some games. But, I mean, we've never seen this team win two playoff games in a row, for Christ's sake. Right. I mean, so we gotta we gotta have them win at least three in a row to win the whole deal, and we've never seen them win two in a row. Shit! You know what, Kirk Cousins? He's never uh, he's never been to the playoffs. So wait a second, wait a second. The the year they lost forty one donut to the Giants in the NFC Championship game, didn't they have to win yep. a wild card game and a? Nope. No. Oh, okay. They were the uh, they were the two seed. They got a bye. They beat the Saints. Because Saints beat the Rams. Ah, uh, yes, okay. Give an upset and uh, beat the hell out of Aaron Brooks and the Saints. So, yeah. I mean, it's you know, Kirk Cousins makes it uh, makes it more exciting. I would I would say you know a lot of people would would be talking about it because of him and the defense. Yep. Um, you know, I'm sure okay. a lot of people like Philadelphia. Um, and rightfully so. The Saints are right among. In that group as well. And I, I would say that Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers and Matthew Stafford and the Lions absolutely screwed over every other team in the NFL in terms of the quarterback market. I mean, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think he's going to be tremendous. It's one reason why I believe, assuming that the 49ers make the necessary moves in the offseason and the draft, get some offensive weapons, you know, help the defense where they need to. I think they're a playoff team because Jimmy Garoppolo is undefeated as a starter. Granted, it's only seven yeah, starts, but he's seven and zero. And then Matthew Stafford, you know, but they gave Garoppolo one hundred thirty-seven and a half million dollars over five years. Less than forty percent of it is guaranteed, but still, yeah, I mean, and then Matthew Stafford with his major deal, and I mean, you can think of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees that are obviously better than these quarterbacks. Than those two quarterbacks that should demand or should receive much more money, especially guaranteed money, than than what Garoppolo and Stafford got. But I think it's just those two teams are kind of screwing over the rest of the NFL in terms of what sort of deal. Like again, Kirk Cousins is better than Garoppolo and arguably better than Matthew Stafford, so he would demand more than 137 and a half million, which is just silly to me. 
And, you know, five for 125 is what I thought he would get, but he's probably going to get, you know, closer to 140. And again, it's all about the guaranteed money. So if it, uh, you know, 60 million guaranteed, 70, 80 million guaranteed, whatever it is, I mean, that's, that is the number. Uh, there was a big story on Monday about the about Roger Goodell was going to find Jerry Jones for the you know for the legal ramifications that were going on and him dragging you know a public battle you know, between the NFL and the Cowboys regarding Ezekiel Elliott and national anthem and this and that and then it comes out a little bit later that no they're just making Jerry Jones pay for the legal fees so much ado about nothing there. Uh, the only other thing, uh, besides Blake Bortles getting that three-year, $54 million deal, Marcus Peters gets traded, uh, the cornerback from Kansas City to the Rams. Uh, Fourth-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year's draft. The other thing is, mock drafts are starting to come out. The NFL Scouting Combine is this week, starting this week in Indy. I will be, hopefully, uh, speaking with Jeff Lloyd II from the Lockdown Browns podcast here to get a little sneak preview of what he thinks or what he's looking forward to at the combine but i've seen a few mock drafts and they have some mock drafts not all of them but some mock drafts have dallas goddard either going 27 to the saints or 30 to the jaguars that would be um awfully intriguing yeah jaguars would be bad uh saints you said the saints yes yeah, Saints would be very good at rip. Saints would be good. New England would be good. Green Bay would be very good. Minnesota also yep. would be very good. So yep. I would, um, I'm in favor of the Vikings drafting a quarterback. Yes. Um, I only want them to draft Mason Rudolph at 30. Yeah, him and, him and Lamar Jackson are my two guys. Yep. Rudolph and Jackson would be two guys I would like uh, early second round if, if need be. Like if you were to bring back... Bridgewater, you bring him back, and then you draft one of those two guys. I like that scenario. Mm-hmm. I think they are less. I think they are less likely to take a quarterback early, if at all, if they sign Cousins. So, right. I think Mason Rudolph would be excellent there. Uh, and speaking of Lamar Jackson, did you hear the the shit that Bill Polian was talking about? He had a terrible week last week. Bill Polian. Well, he wanted to switch him to wide receiver, didn't he? Is yep. The guy. Yep. And then he I said mean, a lot that. Of this- Oh, sorry, go yeah. ahead. What, what else? I mean, just, yeah, it's, it's bad. And then uh, he said that the Eagles should take no less than two first-round picks and two second-round picks for Nick Foles. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's it is. Ridiculous. And he just um, talks out of his... I mean, no, Mel, just... Mel, Mel Kuyper had a deal. Um, people love Josh Allen because he's tall. Uh, his numbers don't back up anything. His numbers don't back up anything. And they say his supporting cast was bad, which it may have been. Um, it was worse his no, senior I, year from his junior year. Fine, sure. Bill Kuyper said, you know, Lamar Jackson's completion percentage was bad. And um, but then some brought up Josh Allen and how terrible his completion percentage was. Then he said, oh, stats, stats don't matter. So it's just, you know, Lamar Jackson, kind of a, a racial thing again, yep. sounds like to me. Well, I mean, I mean, I think he's perfectly capable. I'd like to see what he can do because he's very exciting and he can do things that most quarterbacks can't. So instead, I mean, it's the NFL seems to if if you don't fit with what we're doing, 
Get then out. screw you. Yep. Instead of saying, wow, we got this guy. How about we change what we're doing? Because if this guy, we can make this guy work and have his best attributes work for us. Holy hell, that should, uh, that could work masterfully. Instead, they look at Lamar Jackson. It's, it's kind of disgusting. It is, and I also saw Mike Mayock, I think, said that Josh Allen has the biggest arm since Jamarcus Russell. So that's boding real well for, for Josh Allen there. So. Again, I don't care how far you can throw it or how fast you can throw it. Are you accurate? No. Is he accurate? No. I mean, all of these things, why, when is it going to change? How many failed picks? How many Jake Lockers? How many guys like this do we have to go through? Paxton Lynch and Osweiler and all of these tall guys with these big arms. How Mm -hmm. many times do they have to be drafted and they have to fail? And Blake Bortles, how many times does this have to happen before we say, maybe uh, big doesn't equal good, maybe big arm doesn't equal good. How would you look at the guy that's accurate, can throw a guy open? I'm sure the guy, one one out of every ten throws look amazing, but you got to be more consistent. It's very low on my list how big you are and how strong of an arm you have. It's very low on the list. You're you're talking about a Blake Bortles guy, though, who has never lost an Olympic event. Just remember that. He's never lost an Olympic event. He's uh, undefeated on five continents. So it's very impressive for him to uh, to be as terrible as he is. Yes. Amazing. What uh, what NHL trade caught your eye the most? Fuck. <laughs> Rick, was it Rick Nash? Is that his name, Rick Nash? You're right. Yep, Rick Nash got traded from the Rangers to the Bruins for a bevy of picks. Uh, Paul Statsny w- went from St. Louis to Winnipeg in a move that surprised a lot of people. Evander Kane from Buffalo to San Jose. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, there you go. Good job. Good job on the Rick Nash thing. How about... Um, it, it was a bad week in the NBA, I would say, uh, mainly for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, oh, uh, by the way, Kawhi Leonard, I guess, is coming back to the Spurs. So that that's who would have ever seen that coming? That uh, you know, people are saying, well, "Why the hell does he want to get out?" And you know, Greg Popovich is like, "Well, screw him." And now, oh yeah, now he's back. He's going to come back. He's going to work, and hopefully, uh, he'll be joining rejoining the team here at some point. In March or otherwise early April. April. So excellent there, uh, but the Dallas Mavericks—they have a—they have a culture issue. There are a lot of uh, like what, sexual harassment and uh, you know for guy for who the, for the team website that Mark Cuban kept around and it just was not good. And he's like, oh, I, it, Mark Cuban's like, oh, I didn't know what was going on. This starts with me. And then he talks about tanking and how he told the team they were going to try and tank on purpose. Uh, what I mean, just you know what, Mark Cuban, shut the hell up. That's all I gotta say. But it just not, it was a bad week for uh, the Dallas Mavericks and to be a Mavericks fan. Maverick. Yeah, well, sure. I don't think anything's gonna change or anything. Like, we're gonna force him to sell the team, or they find them what six hundred thousand dollars, which is pennies. For the no. for the for the tanking, not the not the yeah. the workplace environment. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, bad week for them. Whatever, they're terrible. So, you know, get a high draft pick. Maybe sign a couple of guys. Um, they should be better. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. feels like a pretty good player. So they got a guy. See if they can get a couple more guys. But well, he has to be a good player. Not, he took seventy three thousand dollars in loans yeah. as a college basketball player. 
I'm sure he paid it all back, too. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Butler hurt his meniscus. He's out four to six weeks. He does little think he'll be back, uh, you know, sure by the playoffs. Hopefully a little sooner than that. But uh, avoids the ACL tear. That's a, a That was a major scare for Timberwolves and their fans. Uh, what was that, Friday night against the Rockets? I I think they will. I think they can hang on, but it's it's going to be difficult. They should be fine. Yeah. Everybody else has got to pick it up. Their defense is terrible. This is year two. Their defense should not be this bad. It should not. No, I you agree. Have, you have Towns. Towns averaging like five points less. Wiggins averaging five points less. I don't know if they're deferring to Butler. But there's no reason why Town should go from scoring 25, 26 down to 20. And Wiggins is, people have not been impressed with him. So, maybe with Butler out, everybody else picks it up. He comes in and kind of seamlessly get better with him out. But uh, defense is terrible. It is. It is. And it's and with Tom Thibodeau being a defensive-minded guy, it's kind of surprising that, it, you know what, Mike Tice... Uh, Former Vikings head coach. He he's retired after being, I think, the offensive line coach with Oakland. And he said he retired in part because guys don't want to be coached. And I think that is uh, much more so in the NBA than anything, because you have a bunch of young guys, and uh, for whatever reason, they just don't want to, you know, listen to what the coach has to say. Do you think that's in part what's going on here with like the the cats and the the Andrew Wiggins of the world? Are are they just you know, not listening to Tibbs? I think it'd be an effort issue because Taj Gibson, I saw, was interviewed during halftime of a game they were playing the Bulls the other night, and the Bulls were just running up and down the floor on them. And Taj Gibson was like, it's an effort issue. You got to show more effort, which I've never understood how anything could be an effort issue. When you're out there, I mean, you got you to gotta try. You got to try. But it's an effort thing, and I don't understand how that Oh, that's possible in, in this day and age. And, and he plays his players. He did this with the Bulls. He plays them too long. There was a, saw a tweet. There was like two minutes ago in this Bulls game. They were up by 15. Some guy yells from the crowd, take your starters out. To my guess, there's no reason to have your starters out. I mean, Jim Butler plays yep. plays a lot of minutes. He's, he's always played a lot of minutes with these other guys. I mean, Joe Kim up. he's got, he, I mean, whether this is the reason or not, he's just been injured ever since. Yep. So, Tibbs plays his guys too many minutes. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, baseball, a couple of things there. Uh, Logan Morrison is a Minnesota twin. He's a slugger from the Tampa Bay Rays, so that's good news there. Uh, anything? I like that. Yeah, that's a good move, don't you think? Yeah, one year deal. About six and a half million. Yep. So, good deal. He did have a last year was his best year by far. So we'll see if this continues this year. If it does, it's it's a great deal. His fly ball rate increased dramatically. So that's something that hopefully continues, and why he hit thirty eight home runs. So he'll be first base DH. He has played outfield. He can do some outfield. So. That's good. And uh, if he gets like 600, 601, 600 plate appearances, the 
second year option kicks in, and he had 601 plate appearances last year, so I wouldn't expect him for his option to kick in. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll get 600 plate appearances, but you bat him number four in the lineup probably. He's a lefty. He did very good against right-handed pitching last year, so it's very intriguing, a, a 30 home run guy. No doubt. Um, Tiger Woods was at the uh, what, the Honda Classic. He finished 12th. Uh, struggled in the so-called bear trap uh, in the final round. But overall, you know, so the, the putter kind of failed him too. But overall, a, a very decent outing. Uh, do we expect... I, I think this... Obviously, this le- raises the level of optimism that Tiger can compete... With the guys on tour this year, maybe somehow scratch and claw his way to a win, maybe two. Um, are are you impressed at all by what Tiger's done so far this year, and what what do you think he can do going forward? Yeah, he's gotten a little better every time he's played. He missed the cut a couple weeks ago, and he was around the top ten at the end. Even he shoot one over, one under, two under each day, even far. It was good to see him in. He wasn't threatening to win, but he was in the top ten. And for him, the biggest thing is just to be healthy. He's healthy. I think he'll be fine. So Mm -hmm. it's good to see him competitive. I mean, you're going to have to, you know, put some rounds together here um, if you want to win. But it's, I mean, when the Masters or Masters are uh, about a month and a half away, have. I mean, ratings are going to be huge. Ratings are going to be huge. Yep, agreed. Uh, hopefully, I I always like Tiger. I hope he can continue to play well. I hope he wins the game. I would love to see him win another major. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see it because uh, I really enjoy Tiger Woods. Um, issues aside, I I just I've always been fascinated by him and always cheer him on. I, uh, unlike. You know, because I, I, I don't like the Dukes of the world or the, the Lakers, the Yankees, those teams that always win. But for some reason, Tiger was different to me. He is different. I would always cheer that he would win. I just loved how dominant he was. Um, so I have no issue with him, and I hope he I hope he can come back. Uh, Olympics here, they wrapped up in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Uh United States overall, not great, but USA women's hockey won a gold medal over Canada, 3-2 in a epic uh, battle, epic matchup, a shootout victory, uh, absolutely tremendous move, a deke move, a triple deke by Lamaru from uh, from Grand Forks, North Dakota, so that was great. He had a 20-year-old netminder for the U.S. She was fantastic. Men's curling won their first ever gold, and the Duluth Curling Club was just going nuts. Uh, Jesse Diggins won a gold in cross country for Team USA. That was huge and mo- uh, monumentous there. Uh, I, overall, uh, an excellent Olympics. Um, I would have liked to see a few more things live. I, I'd like to see more bobsledding and luge and, and speed skating, stuff like that versus the figure skating and some of this other nonsense. But overall, I always enjoy the Winter Olympics. How much did you watch overall over the two weeks? Maybe half hour. Oh, okay. All right. What was in that half hour? What was in that half hour that you watched? People going, people playing in the snow. I would watch, again, I would watch them go down the hill once. I'd watch it twice. And that was all right. I saw this twice. 
All right, that's what that is. Uh, so, I don't know, the guy with the bobsled uh, did that for about 15 seconds. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's bobsled. Um, skeleton lose, whatever the hell you want to call it. So yeah. that for 20 seconds, and that was the thing that happened. Um, I saw the last 10 minutes, what was it, Saturday night? It was the last 10 minutes of Germany and Russia. Yep. And then the overtime, I thought that was very good, lots of goals. That was good. Yes. That was very good. Uh, women's hockey, don't give a shit about it. Uh, curling was fine, but 95%, I would say, of what I saw was on Saturday night with that hockey game on NBCSN at goddamn 10 o'clock. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the unfortunate thing with a 15-hour time difference in the central time zone, 14 course on the east coast i mean it it is what it is i i always love the speed skating i wish they would show more of the speed skating and the short track i didn't track. see any speed skating like anything i saw the majority of what i saw was shooting on a hill what I yeah thought. i i wish they would give speed skating in, in the short track a little more um a, a little more airing i wish the i mean the u.s did not do very good the dutch are dominant when it comes to speed skating and on short track it seems like South Korea and China, they're they're really good at it. Um, I, I would hope the U.S. would get better by the time uh, the Winter Olympics return in four years to Beijing. So that'll be fun. Uh, of course, the 2020 Summer Olympics are in Tokyo. So uh, looking Jesus forward to Christ, that. Jesus Christ, can we get something that's not in the goddamn Asian Pacific? Jesus uh, well, I, well, they got they get their three. And then the 2024 Summer Olympics will be in Paris. Then the 2028 Summer Olympics are in LA, and Salt Lake City is making a bid for 2026 for the for the Winter Olympics. So that would be good. Uh, I would. Goddamn world still around in 2028. Well, yeah, we, we hope so. Um, hopefully, then Canada can make a play at the Winter Olympics in 2030. Or you know, we'll see. Maybe Oslo would love to do it uh, there in Norway. I. They, they were dominant in the Winter Olympics. They won the most medals. They won like 38. They were just normally very good when it comes to Winter Olympics. They're tired of winning. They're doing so much winning. They're tired of Yeah, they're very tired. You won't believe how much winning they, they did. Hashtag winning. Hashtag go to hell to <laughs> Um... Summit League tournament time, or should we talk about college ba- the rest of college basketball and the scandal first? Yeah, the scandal, Montech, hitting their asses, kicked by Duke. They're coming back, though. they got plenty of time. That's good. Uh, they really blew it against Louisville on Saturday. Uh, but speaking of Louisville, not a great week for Louisville last week. Uh, NCAA upholds their penalty, strips them of their 2013 title. They have to give a bunch of money back. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> yes, he does. Um, so, so not a good, not good for them. But that, and then you you hear about the FBI scandal. Yahoo Sports publishes you know the FBI documents from their probe, and it lists a whole bunch of schools: uh, Duke, Michigan State, Wichita State, uh, North Carolina, Arizona, all either you know paying players uh, or you know players on their team getting paid a lot of money. Uh, then you have Sh- Arizona head coach Sean Miller, wiretap, trying to pay over $100,000 for their... Uh, who is it, their, their big recruit this year? DeAndre Ayton. Ayton, thank you. 
I had the first. If I had the first pick in the draft, I'm picking that guy number one. How is Arizona so bad between him and Trier? Oh yeah, Alonzo Trier is suspended for the rest of the year potentially because of uh, banned substance. So, I mean. There, there's so much in this FBI investigation, and uh, obviously this is a dark, dark time for college basketball, which sucks because you and I both love the sport. I love it. Uh, maybe slightly. Well, I mean, they're, they're they're in Cedar Rap, Cedar Falls. They're a pretty good team in the in the Mole Valley, and they should like college basketball. Huh? Oh yes, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. You I, exactly I always, you know what? I know. I I got what you're saying there. Go, 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 it. Kurt Warner. Go, David Johnson. It is but, Cedar Falls. It's Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. It's Cedar a Cedar. Falls. It's a Cedar City in Iowa. I mean, that's. I have no idea what the difference. <laughs> Neither do I. But. Um, Falls, Cedar City, who the hell knows? North South but, Dakota, South Dakota State, San Diego. Who can tell the difference? Right. Right, but we both love college basketball. Uh, it, it it just sucks that it, it seems like, you know, for years, college basketball has drastically been waning in part due to the one-and-done rule, which I would hope the NBA and college basketball will figure out a way uh, to, to get rid of that rule. Um, the NCAA has a lot of uh, old, old rules that they need to just dispose of. They need to rewrite the rule book because it's ridiculous, but it, it's a dark, dark time for college basketball, and it sucks, but uh, hopefully uh, you have to be at your, you know, there's only, you can only go up from here, and that's the way I'm going to take it. They're at their lowest point right now. Now you you can fix it and get back to, uh, you know, get back to the level that college basketball was, say, what, 10, 15 years ago. I'm fine with this. I, hopefully this, this does warrant change for Players can be paid like they are right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with this as long as, and I don't, as far as the black guy, I mean, we all knew this was going on. This happens also in college football. So if they want to take a peek into that, uh, maybe do that as well because I'm sure it happens just as much there. Yes. Uh, the one and done, I don't know. I'm, I'm okay with it because either, I mean, I'd rather have them go to college for one year than not. So, you, I mean, you get to see some of these guys like uh, DeAndre Ayton and Mo Bamba and Marvin Bagley with Duke and some of these guys who would probably have gone from high school to the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind that, uh, that they come to the NBA. Like I would like to see, you know, be two years or three years. Either you go to high school to the NBA or if you go to college, you got to stay for two or three years. I'd be fine with that, but I don't expect anything to come of this, similar to the gun laws. It seems like we have these problems all the time and nothing changes, um, and the NCAA is very much incompetent. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, I mean, they, they took some money from Louisville, which was good, but stripping them of the national title means nothing. Exactly. It's, it, it's exactly what... The Olympics did with Russia. Yep. It, you can you can still compete, but you can't have your flag or national anthem. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. You can still compete. You can still win medals. That's the same thing. Yep. No, I, I agree with you, and I love your point that you had during the Google chat um, on okay. Sunday about you know if if you know the, some of these schools, if you really want to punish them, take them off of TV. Now there there are so many 
networks that you know that the conferences have. You know, the Big Ten has the the Big Ten network, of course. Pac-12 uh, has their Pac-12 network. You have the the Longhorn every network. Conference, every conference has yep. a channel. Yep. Uh, so I think that's that's a very good idea. You know, either you could put them on TV, but they don't get any sort of revenue from it. I mean, that that could be the other portion of this too. If you if it if other schools are opposed to not having them, you know, when they're playing like the likes of Arizona, let's say, uh, if Arizona football is in on the Pac-12, you know, and USC is coming to town, well, or Arizona is going to to the Coliseum, well, USC wants to be on TV because they want that exposure. So maybe you just say, okay, you know, Arizona, you can be on, but you don't get any any money from this. Uh, this is all going to go to the rest of the Pac-12. So maybe that's some way to do it. I, it, it's very interesting. I like your idea. I don't know how how it, well it could go, but certainly you have to do something here. And I, I like how you you referenced you know what's going on here. Uh, and of course, two completely separate things. There's one that's far more important uh, than you know college basketball. But with the gun laws and stuff, it does seem like now that there's that there's this huge tragedy and you have a bunch of kids now who are trying to lead the charge that maybe this is the time that something gets done that it took something so severe like this to get people so angry that they're going to change some laws whereas here with the NCAA you know the FBI probe people are like wow you know I don't know you know we knew this was going on but now that the FBI is involved maybe we really do need to get our poop in a group and get our act together and you know, and make changes. So, if it takes something like this to to get the change that's necessary to make college basketball uh, great again, then so be it. But I would I would hope that's the outcome out of this because certainly this does not look good. Of course, Sean Miller getting the wiretap and oh, he's saying oh that I'll, I'm sure I'll be vindicated. You were you were wiretapped, you dumbass. Like it, it's your voice unless it's Frank Caliendo impersonating Sean Miller, which I don't know why he would have Sean Miller in his bag of tricks. There, that's your voice. So, I mean, that's the worst of it all for Arizona. You have some of these other schools that we mentioned. What you know, Dennis Smith. Uh, for for Dallas, he was at NC State last year. Supposedly, you know, if he got what he was the seventy some thousand dollar loan guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, yeah, he was a big one. Yep. I mean, anywhere from them down to one thousand dollars for Fred Van Vliet when he was at Wichita State. I mean, there's just so much corruption going on here in college basketball, and I don't know if Dr. Mark Emmert, the head of the NCAA, is the right man for the job because he keeps saying, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and yet still you have issue upon issue upon issue from bagels and cream cheese not constituting as a meal, or constituting as a meal that's in, in, that was impermissible for a long time until they changed that dopey law or rule, to now this, I mean, this, someone needs to do something. If I had to nominate one person, I would say it would be Jay, Jay Billis. Billis. Jay, Jay Billis. Yep. But I don't want him to leave his perch at ESPN because he's too damn good at what he does. But he would be the right man for the job because he loves college basketball. He's a lawyer. He would. He knows how to get shit done. So I would nominate Jay Billis if there's anyone. The, the, the rules are just so old and so outdated. Yes. When, when they were first made, I'm sure they made sense. 80 years ago or whenever it started. But now, no. When, when coaches are made... When, when coaches are the highest paid 
uh, people in the state when they're making five or ten million, when there's football coaches, assistants making over a million dollars. I mean, come on. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's plenty of money, and we've seen all the different uh, construction projects at schools in their locker room and team areas, and they're just ridiculous. Yep. Ridiculous facilities. And what's what what would it be worth them to to give to give a college kid ten thousand dollars? It wouldn't be nothing. Well, I mean, hell. I read. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go. Louisville, to... It was a, this was a few years ago, but I think Louisville. I don't know if this was profit or revenue. I think it was revenue. They brought in like twenty five million dollars. I mean, come on, come oh. on. I mean, make it make a certain percentage of whatever you make. Uh, if that's 10%, say 10% of whatever we make this year goes to the players. So if that's $25 million that you bring in, uh, $2.5 million goes to the players. Uh, if you want to base it on profit, go ahead. If you're SDSU and you make, uh, make let's say you only make uh, $100,000 on a year for some reason, uh, and, and you give everybody on the team $1,000. Whatever it is, base it off of something like that. Or, you know, even... To the point of, you know, you have these athletes. If if you give them the scholarships, that's that's great, because maybe that and maybe that's the essentially like the paying format here. But then let them go out if they want to get endorsements or whatever. You know, if Einspar Automotive wanted to, you know, you know, have Skyler Flatten, you know, if if they want to use him in a commercial, have them pay. You know. He can, he should get money off of that. Now I, I don't. I'm not trying to say that Skyler Flatten is doing this. I don't. I'm not. I'm not throwing SDSU in any sort of corner here. But I'm just saying, if you, you do that, the worst player on the team will play for a reason. Well, I mean, you can also do it from likeness from video games and stuff like that. I think that that's a way that you can put money back in. I mean, for crying out loud, Alabama's got a barber shop. For their players, do they really need an Alabama barbershop? Like, come on, really? Probably. Probably. I mean, it's, but you don't have any mo- extra money to pay the players. It's just ridiculous. Um, it's a crock. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a crock of shit. It's what it is. And if you go, if I'm sure, if you went to the SDSU bookstore, we were around when Walters was around. Yep. I'm sure there were number three jerseys. There were. Uh, I remember Thomas O'Brien jerseys around, and I'm sure. I mean. Did Walters get anything for that? No. Probably not. Nope. Should he? Yes, he should. And I, I, was, I would assume it would, you know, I haven't been to the SDSU bookstore lately, but maybe there are some 24 jerseys hanging around. Maybe. Uh, probably more than likely. And you saw the kid that made the Walters shirts. Yeah. So that kid made a boatload of money off of that. Did Walters make anything off of that? No. Probably not. If Walters himself did that, that would be illegal. That doesn't make any sense to me. We should make shirts that says, let's dominate Jack's uh, Dom, of course, spelling D-A-U-M, and let's sell them at the Summit League Tournament this year. Go ahead. Let's do let, that. Let's and do it. We'll, let's we'll make do that. And we'll, then we'll give all the money to Dom after next year. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, we're going to get a little cut ourselves, right? I, I mean, we're winning so much, Jack, and I'm tired of winning. <laughs> you, can all, you can have all the money. Uh, you go to the Smith, you can have your two-man show. Well, right. I mean, the, of course, that's the big thing with Marcus and I. You got the two-man show there. Uh, I hear that there's some potential that we're going to Buffalo. Uh, we're going to go to all the Buffaloes. The first, the, 
we're going to go to Buffalo, South Dakota, because you got to keep the roots in South Dakota there. Then Buffalo, Minnesota, uh, a town of, what, like 700, 800 people? So that's that's something to... Wait, I, there is Buffalo or Buffalo Lake? I mean, we're going we're going to go to Buffalo, Minnesota, and then we're going to go to Buffalo, New York. So we're just this is big. This is big stuff here um, that that we're going to do here with the two man show. But that's all based on on money that we need to make here. Marcus, uh, Marcus posted something. There's he got. I don't know if this is through the paper. There's something coming up on um, this Friday night. It's called Fight Night. It's at the the Smith Event Center, which I didn't know the Smith and an event center. It's the Smith, Eastern South Dakota. And Marcus said this uh, this absolutely sounds like a bit we would do on the show. Goddamn fight night in the Smith, South Dakota. <laughs> They've got tickets for everything, and yeah, we that would be yeah that would be a a, a stop on the two man show. No, oh, no doubt. Goddamn fight night in the Smith for Christ's sake. Yeah. No, I, I think that's that's perfect. I mean, I'm sure there are some lounges uh, in and around the Denny Sanford Premier Bank Center that Marcus and I can do the two-man show at as well, um, in between games or you know it's sessions and whatnot. So, uh, plenty of plenty of opportunity for us to to get our name out there. It's really come together. It is. It really has. Uh, college basketball last week. What what intrigued you the most? Kansas won their 14th, or at least has a share of the the Big 12 title for the 14th straight year. I believe they said all 14 have been under Bill Self, which is just incredible. Because for it seems like for as many flops as Kansas has routinely in the NCAA tournament, I would not have expected Bill Self to be at the helm of 14 straight Big 12 uh, regular season championships, but he has. Uh, so congrats to him, and that's a pretty remarkable achievement. Yeah, they had a slow start, and there. I'm not. I'm going to be wary of them in the tournament. Oh, when you think me about too. it, it's not like the, you know, the, the Big Twelve. Like Oklahoma's had their runs. They had Buddy Heald, and they make the Final Four. And Oklahoma State's been decent. Um, you know, besides those two teams, I mean, Baylor's been been. They've had their teams. West Virginia. Like the, West Virginia's been good for. I mean, when they've been in the Big Twelve. But, but Kansas has been the cream of the crop. And, you know, when you only have 10 teams in the league now, like they've had the last yeah. couple of years, and you've got some dog shit teams. Uh, I mean, TCU's been terrible for a long time. They've turned it around. Uh, Kansas State is not bad. Uh, Iowa State's uh, had some teams. But there was, I mean, you would, you would have thought one of these years an Oklahoma would have won the conference. But it's so damn hard to win at Kansas. Yep. Uh, and they dropped four or five games there this year, which is remarkable. Yep. But yeah, they they, they pulled it out, and they needed to beat Texas Tech, and uh, and they did. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Kansas are going to be uh, you know one two seed as we go to the go to the tournament. Most likely, yes. And I could see a a, a Reef Farokmanesh esque moment here, oh. there in the second round. Maybe Nevada will take down Kansas. You never know. Uh, let's. Let's take a look. Do you want to look at... I'm not going to look at Jerry Palm and his stupid bracketology. It's amazing the contrast between Joe Lenardi of ESPN to Jerry Palm of CBS Sports. It's remarkable. As I pulled that up here... Uh, you don't like Jerry Palm? I, I don't mind Jerry Palm. I just think that there's... there's what just, has he got? Oh, well, let's, let's pull this up here. I have a bone to pick on the women's side. 
With Charlie Cream? Yes. Okay. Uh, while I'm while I'm pulling up uh, Jerry Palm's bracketology here, what else uh, caught your eye from the week? Uh, I did not watch a whole lot this week. I think last week I said I uh, wasn't a whole lot that interests me uh, this week. Nova lost to Creighton. Um, there, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot. Um, Wisconsin's playing pretty well right now. They may be a dangerous team in the uh, in, in the Big Ten tournament. They ain't winning it though. No. Um, they would play, if they can win their first game, I think they'd play Michigan State, and they nearly knocked off Michigan State Sunday, so, you know, cra- crazier stuff has happened, crazier yep. things have happened. Uh, so let's, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. There was, what the fuck, there were one, there were two games Sunday, Ryder played Iona. Mm-hmm. Ryder won like 110 to 101. That was insane. Are you going to talk about Bethune-Cookman and Savannah State? No. Houston beats East Carolina. Yes. They won by 50 points. They were ahead. 62 to 13 at half. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. I mean, 62 to 13. In the second half, East Carolina almost scores 50. Right. So this was uh, a ridiculous game. Against the scrubs. And, and St. Bonaventure, they're, they're killing folks. St. Bonaventure looking good. Dang, uh, dangerous Michigan. team in March, I tell you what. That's a sleeper sweet 16 team right there. Yeah, Michigan, uh, Michigan I, I, I like Michigan. Michigan's playing pretty well right now. Mm-hmm. So that might, that might be a team to consider. And uh, your Wichita State team is doing well well now they are they, they had a little bit of a skid there in the middle of the year but uh they're they're coming on strong here now well here's here's the deal i have with jerry palm it's actually not quite as bad as i thought it initially but if you when you're when we compare jerry palm to joe lenardi you're gonna see why i'm a, I'm a tad bit frustrated with palm uh he still got ucla in as a 12 seed despite the fact that they lost to both utah and colorado this weekend uh, nope. Get them the hell out of here. Uh, Louisville... So UCLA you think should be out? I think UCLA should be out, yes. I don't... Uh, I think... I'm not even comfortable with USC in, but I think they they will, based on the fact that they beat Utah. I think that's going to... Well, that right now, at least, is going to help USC. Now, USC and UCLA play this week, so that is an intriguing matchup here because I would... I would almost venture a guess or be willing to go on the line here that says the winner of that game gets into the NCAA tournament. The loser would have to win at least two games, if not three, in the Pac-12 championship to make, or in the Pac-12 conference tournament to get in. Yeah, Pac-12's not doing much for me. They got a bunch of teams. Bunch of garbage. In that, I mean, Arizona, Arizona's the best, but then, I mean, Arizona State, I don't like them. Like, I can make the case USC is the second best team in that conference, and they may not even make the tournament. Right. And Arizona, uh, Oregon's, Oregon's doing some stuff. Uh, Florida as a 10 seed, they're on the, the, you know, potentially on the outskis. Providence is very close to being out. Not a huge problem. That Oklahoma now is a 9. I mean, I think before he had them out, and now you have oh. o- Jerry, Jerry Palm. Palm. I think Jerry oh, Palm. That's stupid. I mean, that's stupid. You, that's stupid. Wait, they had lost six in a row. They were like 16 and 10. 
That's, I don't know, but they are going to be, you know, an eight or nine seed. I mean, that's. Well, now, now he has him as a 9, so that's not a problem there. Virginia Tech is a 10, Alabama an 11. Alabama seemingly has to win a few games in. Missouri lost a terrible game at home against Ole Miss a day or two after uh, oh, Kennedy, the, the, oh, the Ole Miss head coach, resigned. That's a terrible loss for Missouri. That could actually bounce them from the, from the tournament. I thought they were a lock after they beat Kentucky. And they had a, another win in there that looked good, but that that's a bad Missouri, loss. Missouri's getting it. Missouri's getting it. They're fine. I hope so. I hope so. But there's still a lot. To, a lot can happen here. On so it's just I guess some of the seeding here. You know between Auburn, Auburn slipping. Auburn slipping. Yep. Yep. Um, Texas Tech has lost three in a row, but they've been without their best player, and when he's been there, his toe's been hurt. He hasn't been effective. So who's their best player? Uh, that Allen uh, messed up his foot. Josh Keenan? Allen? Oh, Keenan, not Keenan Allen. Keenan something. Okay. Um. Well, that's good. That's good to know because. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta watch out for. Uh, Texas Tech scores a bunch of points. They they don't play much defense, but they score a bunch of points. Here's here is um uh, Lenardi's bra- uh, bracketology. So he has Alabama as a nine seed. So. You know, a two-seeded difference between Jerry Palm and but Joe. But they got him at a seven? No, uh, Palm has an 11, Alabama has an 11, Lenardi has him at a nine. He's got Baylor still in as a 12 seed. Baylor's not even on Palm's first four out. Baylor, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going more well with Jerry Palm here. Yes, I agree and with Baylor's. Baylor's sixteen and twelve with a sixty-two RPI. They're not. They're not getting. And they play Oklahoma this week. Hopefully, Oklahoma, I mean, thirteen losses and fourteen losses. Are, I mean, Baylor should be out. Yeah, Baylor I, should be out. I agree. Was it last year? The stupid asshole had Syracuse in late, and Syracuse is like seventeen and thirteen. I, uh, take your airpiece and shove it up your ass, Lenardi. <laughs> is what I. That's what I hear. I don't. Did he have Syracuse in last year? Yeah, it was last year. A couple of years ago, Syracuse. I remember Syracuse being a team. It was like, what in the hell? And they aren't even under consideration. And he has them, you know, first four in, first four out. Like, get the hell out of here. Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee. I mean, that's a team that uh, they're probably going to knock off the books. I tell you what, uh, Vermont is a team that I I know. You got it. You got some good players in there. Uh, Trey Bell Hannon. Uh, they they got some good players at Vermont. They could pull off an upset here. I'm just looking. I'll believe to see. you. I'll believe you. Uh, let's see. Kansas State. I mean, they're they're a ten. I guess there's not a whole lot on Lenardi. So I, I gave this whole big speech, and it's really over nothing. Oh. But I guess just some of the discrepancies in seeing. Oh yeah, Florida. Let let's find Florida. Where the hell is Florida at? Um, they're not making the turn. I mean. Lenardi's got Florida as a six. I don't know if I'd have him in the deal. And that's and that's where uh, Palm has him as a as a ten. So that that was the biggest one, I guess, the biggest discrepancy. Oh. So it's like, who do you really trust here? You know, do you do you trust that Florida? And- you no, know, I just look at the numbers and see what they've got. I mean, some of the, I mean, as always, there's probably going to be some real garbage last teams in. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean with based on the numbers, teams in that 50 RPI range, 
I mean, Nebraska's had a pretty good year, and but, but and they've got to make a red. They can beat Michigan in the tournament. You know, that would be a good win for them. But I mean, they don't have that signature win. So sucks for Nebraska. But I mean, a lot of these teams are just you know Texas and Baylor and Florida. Like all these Big Twelve teams are just crap. Uh, I don't. I don't care for I'm, for I'm most keeping of my them. fingers crossed for Boise State in the Mountain West. Let's go Broncos. Let's let's get to the uh, NCAA tournament. I would much rather see them over a shitty US or uh, UCLA, USC squad, you know, Texas, Syracuse, any of this garbage. Get them out of here. You let's know, get Boise State in. Sure. On the women's side, I, I mean this is I mean last year the women should have made it over Northern Iowa. Yes. Uh, there's just no no bones about it. They should have, but yep. they didn't. Uh, if if they were to lose three to USD, I mean that on I mean it would be hard to imagine they would get in because of that. Right. But then again, you just look at what the other teams are around them. Yep. And you base it off of that. Um. Right now, he has them updated, the, the first team out. Oh, so just um, like last year. Yeah, kind of like last year. They're among the last four. Um, and I, I tweeted something out the other day comparing them to the final the little final four or five teams. I saw that, too, like was, West Virginia and, and, and those teams. I mean, SDSU certainly was not at the bottom of that list. They were better than two, if not three, of those teams. So yep. they should be above those teams. Uh, he has Minnesota in. And now let me get the numbers for Minnesota. This is... I mean, I we feel confident that if those two teams were to play, Minnesota would not win that game. Oh, yes. Yep, I would agree with that. Uh, and there's a reason why they don't play SDSU anymore. But you look at SDSU's numbers, and you compare them to Minnesota, and... For me, there's not a like that. It's it's not debatable. It really isn't debatable. Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's RPI is 46, um, with a strength of schedule of 129. They're 22 and seven. SDSU, 32 RPI. What's that, a difference of almost 20, mm-hmm. 15, 20? Uh, strength of schedule is, what, 100-something for Minnesota? SDSU is 77. And SDSU, 22 and 6. So SDSU's RPI, 15, 20 spots better. Strength of schedule, approximately 50 spots better. In what world, in what world is Minnesota in it's, over it's, South Dakota State? It's all in and a name. Like Minnesota... Minnesota doesn't have any good wins. Uh, Minnesota, 2-2 two and two against the top 25, 1-1 one and one against the top 50. Um, I don't I don't get this at all. No, I would agree. that. I mean, again, I think it's 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 complete it's name worth, recognition. It's not worth a debate. I mean, I don't, it's, they, it's not worth... SDSU should have got in over Northern Iowa last year. Yeah. I mean, they, they should get in this year. Uh, but but then again, I don't think, Crins, we have this debate if they could just hang on and beat USD last week. I don't. It would help, but it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Right, right. Um, 
Let, let's talk Summit League Tournament, though, since we're talking South Dakota State. Uh, let's talk, we'll, we'll talk the women first here. USD, unbelievable what they did going undefeated in the Summit League Tournament. Now, granted, or in Summit League Conference play. Now, granted, the Summit League, apart from the top two, if, if you want to throw in the third team this year, uh, that third team being Western Illinois, sure, go for it. I, I'm okay with that. But, I mean, you look at just overall. I mean, for the Summit League as a whole, not great. But USD went undefeated. That's something that SDSU has never done before. And SDSU lost only, what, two games in conference? And both were to... Uh, both were to USD, that right? Or did they lose three games? No, they they, they lost twice. Twice, um, that was to USD. Yep. Okay. Here, here I got it. Here, should have so, won. Could have won both. Yep. Uh, should have won the should have won the second one. And it's impressive because you know SDSU's never never swept everybody, and SDSU's significantly better than this USD team in past years. So. Right. I mean, I, I do not expect USD to win this conference. No, I, and, I mean, I don't think so. If people, if people even start talking about an at-large for them, I mean, I know, I know Trump got elected, but <laughs> goddamn, I mean, I, I have to assume. You know what? What do, what do they call? It? They call them the Venn diagrams. What do they call a thing? You got a circle here. Yeah. You got a circle there. I would say Trump voters circle. And USD at large circle—that's that, the same thing. Okay. That's the same circle right there. But, I mean, so people need to be smarter about this. But um, yeah, I heard yeah, you because I mean, you got blocked on Twitter last week by a by a USD because of facts, facts, cringe. The facts were too much. So I expect a good championship game. I think SDSU is going to win, but uh, yeah, USD and hopefully yeah, USD is proven that they're probably going to be like SDSU. And they're probably, hopefully, always going to be good. So the first game at noon on Saturday at the Premier Bank or the Denny Sanford Premier Bank no, Center. No, no. Okay. Sorry, the, the Denny Sanford Premier Bank Center, or okay. just I guess they call it the Premier Center. I mean, it's it, it's a bank house. It it's it's got so many names. There's so much tied to it. Anyway, at the nice big old arena there, the new arena in Sioux Falls. Noon on Saturday, USD against Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne, 4-23 this year, 1-13 in conference. USD, oh, my USD easily wins that game, but at least we start out the tournament good by seeing Don, the mascot. And hopefully, they can, hopefully they can be back by Saturday night in Fort Wayne, I would hope. They're, they're probably buzzing, <laughs> which is not good. I think, oh, you would think they could, but boy, that's, that's rough for them. I rough think, for them. I think they will be able to um, house the. I, I bet they'll be staying at a hotel. I'm sure that that's the case here for the Dons. I love their band. No. IPFW. Da, 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 da. No, um, make it to Eastern Iowa, Western Wisconsin by 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 Saturday night. Kind of cut your trip in half. So there you go. Uh, so then two thirty, SDSU against. Uh, the, 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 the NDSU. The Bison. So NDSU fans are going to have to stay there two days. Now you got the women on Saturday. You got the men on Sunday. Uh, well, we'll see how many people actually come down to this thing. Uh, probably not a lot, but we won't. We don't see any reason why SDSU won't take care of business against the Bison, right? Well, the Bison have won two conference games. Yep, they're nine season. and nineteen, two and twelve in conference. 
So, uh, yeah, they, they are a terrible team. Who did they beat here? They beat Fort Wayne, and they beat Fort Wayne. So there you go. So, swept the, yeah. 2-0 against Fort Wayne, 0-12 against everyone else. That doesn't bode well for them. Uh, then on Sunday, we get, uh, I mean, what, Denver and Oral Roberts at uh, at, n- at noon? So that's that's uh, intriguing. Uh, and then we have the, I think, is the most intriguing game here. Uh, oh, I mean, who do we have between Denver and Oral Roberts? I'll take Denver. Denver's impressed me this year. The women? Yeah, I guess just the turnaround. I guess I haven't seen any of, anyway, but just the the turnaround from last year and the year before to this year. Um, it seems like they're a much better team, much more improved. They lost to Oral Roberts by thirty at Oral Roberts, but they came back and beat them. Two weeks ago by 16th. That's something. Uh, Western Illinois beat Denver 118 to 93. I don't know what the hell happened there. 108. That's got to be the highest scoring game in conference history. 200 and some points. 211 points. That's goddamn ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Denver, because I'm a big Pios guy, uh, the farther the Pios go, Happy? Are you a Pio or are you a near? You a near? Uh, I guess I'll be a Pio. Go nears. Anyway, uh, that's at noon on Sunday, and then you have Western Illinois against Omaha. That's at two thirty p.m. on Sunday. All these games, of course, are on Midco SN Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, I mean, I we love Omaha because of Brittany Lang, their head coach. Uh, it's been a struggle for Omaha though this year. Uh, I will take Western Illinois to win. I will take what SDSU over Western Illinois. I'll take USD over Denver, and then we are going to have a showdown SDSU against USD in the finals. I will take SDSU t- for the win because they've been able to hang around with USD in both of the games. They just haven't come through in the fourth quarter. I think that changes at the Summit League Championship game. I will take SDSU for the win. Don't think anybody's beat them three in three games. I believe it was North Dakota in the early two thousands. It was the last team to beat SDSU three times in a season. I, I don't see it happening here. No, I would agree. I would agree. On the men's side, this uh, again, like the like on the women's side, you have two teams, both from the state of South Dakota, that were dominant, and then the rest of the league just wasn't very good. Uh, Fort Wayne was decent, but, I mean, it's SDSU and USD head and shoulders above the rest. And SDSU had only one conference loss. USD had three. So Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 6 Cornfield time, Western Illinois against SDSU. Uh, Western Illinois not good, uh, so SDSU will win that game easily. Omaha against USD, 8.30 p.m. Central Time, 9.30 Eastern. Uh, Got to think USD is going to beat Omaha. Omaha has lost so much. You know, Thurman left and, uh, you know, Andre Hollins. They were very good players, and uh, it's, a, it's a shame because Omaha has struggled mightily this year. They were an exciting team to watch. They remind me of Oakland from years past. Mm-hmm. They were fun to watch. Um, this is the most... 
it's highly anticipated because of what the title games are going to be. But it's just those first three days getting to those title games probably probably is not going to be great. So no, um, I will say though that I I was once I saw how before they came out with the parents, I was just looking at the standings and I said, oh shit, uh, this is not good because SDSU will face the winner of. Fort Wayne and North Dakota State. That's on that game is a Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central Time. Six cornfields there. Uh, NDSU is the five seed. Fort Wayne's the four seed. Uh, SDSU has jumped out to big leads against Fort Wayne in both meetings this year. And in the second half, they just kind of go to sleep. They they don't put the they don't keep the pedal to the metal, and Fort Wayne gradually gets back in. They won by two in Brookings, SDSU did. Uh, they won by seven in Fort Wayne, but it was close uh, after they were up by, what, six, 16, 20 points. And even against USD on Thursday night, SDSU had a 16-point lead, 51-35, and USD goes on a huge run. It's like, wh- what is SDSU doing? This has been a this has been a huge problem this year, Corinne's. I bring back the Ole Miss game. I bring back Wichita State, Colorado. The SDSU does not like to hang on to leads, and I think that is very significant here in the grand scope of things. That at some point that will come back to bite them. Of course, they did lose to Wichita State. They did lose to Colorado, but can it bite them at some point in the Summit League tournament? I fear it might. And just with NDSU. Anytime it's a rivalry, I kind of throw the records out the window, even though NDSU is not good this year. They still have Paul Miller, who, when he gets going, he is one of the best shooters in the conference. So that game, I, I don't, I guess I would rather face North Dakota State, but it's still just a tough a tough battle there uh, for SDSU in the semis versus what USD is going to have. They're going to have the winner of Denver and Oral Roberts. I get that Denver beat USD in Denver earlier this year, beat them pretty soundly. But Sioux Falls is a whole different ball game, whole different atmosphere. I don't know if Denver will be able to stay with USD. Uh, I will take Denver or over Oral Roberts, but I just think USD as the two seed has an easier path to get to the championship game than SDSU does. Denver at USD would be my one potential upset of okay. all the favorites. Okay. Uh, SDSU, yeah, it's SDSU in the past has gotten off to terrible starts. They were down uh, twenty-two to six last year against USD in the semis. Yep. They were down thirteen points with thirteen minutes to go and came back. Uh, they were down nine early against Omaha, but then after that, uh, that was a very good game. Yes. Um. They should not have beat Denver or Oral Roberts two years ago. Those were ridiculous comebacks. Denver was down 10 with about five minutes to go, but because back then when they played so slow, 10-point lead was like a 15-point lead. Joe Scott. The Oral Roberts game was 12 points, or no, it was down seven with two to go. And the SDSU ended it on a ten nothing run. So by all means, they should have won. They should not have won any of those games. And USD probably should have beat them last year, but SDSU had Mike Dom. So, I mean, this year they're they're having trouble holding the leads. 
Which I guess is a good problem to have that you aren't fighting, sure. you know, to come back. But it's still, don't you think that is somewhat concerning? When you shoot as many threes as they do, you're, you're going to be hot. You're going to be cold. I mean, they scored 97 points against Fort Wayne Saturday, and they also gave up 90. And uh, I mean, they rely on the three, which makes them very dangerous in the tournament. Uh, but they can go very cold. I mean, we saw how much they struggled to score against Gonzaga. Obviously, last year's uh, last year's team was, I would say, by a good measure, the worst summit league team we've seen. Yes, make the NCAA tournament. Yep. Um, but I mean, we've seen this year with those power teams you mentioned. Yeah, SGSU had a pretty good lead against Colorado and Wichita State. Yep. But they couldn't hold it. They couldn't hold the lead. I mean. Because they started so hot, and they, it just wasn't sustainable. So. And should SDSU win the Summit League tournament, I think they're a dangerous team in March. I really do. I think they're going to be a 12 seed. And I don't... I, unfortunately, they're probably going to play in Arizona or Kentucky, which will suck because I just don't know how SDSU would be able to deal with the athleticism of a Kentucky and Arizona is Arizona. But I do think SDSU, this would be the best team that they would have going into a, a tournament game. Don't you agree? No, I mean, I guess, you know, like DeAndre Parks, George Marshall, and and Mike Dom, you know, a couple of years ago against Maryland, that that ranks right up there. I mean, they almost beat Maryland. I mean, they've come very close a couple times from almost pulling off an upset. I think they'll be a 13 seed. They'll play a four. Um... Like, Arizona is very inconsistent. I'd be fine playing Arizona. How about West Virginia? I mean, yeah, all of these teams. All of these teams, I would not... not, I I would never pick SDSU to win, but none of these teams concern me. If you're playing Clemson, yeah, I'll I'll play Clemson. Uh, (laughs) Rhode Island, not so much. I I would not care to play them. But Kentucky, sure, yep. Gonzaga, maybe. Arizona, that's fine. Uh, If... Yeah, I mean, there, there's no team here that I don't look at. And say, oh, I don't want to play them. Ohio State, that, that wouldn't be ideal. Um, Michigan would not be great. But, I mean, there's a few teams there that I would be fine with. So I have USD. In, we both have USD against SDSU in the in the championship game on the men's side. Uh, you're taking SDSU? Yep. I, had, I picked USD at the beginning of the year. I'm... Going to, I'm just going to stay with USD because I just feel like Matt Mooney and USD, they're going to get hot at some point here. They have a team that's built around. And I, I thought Matt Mooney was a senior. He's only a junior, so he and Dom will get to go at it against one another next year. But USD, I believe, is losing quite a few guys from their team this year. So if they are going to win a Summit League tournament, it is this year that they have to do it. Um, I just, I, I, I fear that, like I say, the blown leads and that, that semifinal game, if SDSU can get by the semifinal, I actually feel pretty decent in the championship game, but, uh, I, it's, it's tough, Krenz. I, I, I really hope that SDSU wins, but I think it's going to be a very difficult road ahead for them. Mike Downs, the best summer league player. I oh, think. yes. So I'll, I'll roll with him. Okay, I mean that, and that's that's smart. That's what you have to do. Uh, I'm just pulling up the roster here now for for USD. 
Uh, Matt Mooney, what a son of a gun. Uh, let's see. They got Senior. They got two. They got three. They got four seniors. I mean, that's... They got some juniors. I mean, that's... I don't know. I mean, that, that it, it's going to be USD and SDSU next year again, too. But, um... Yeah. I don't know. Should be in... Should... Jared Con- well, John Conshar is the guy that seems like he's been around forever. Yes. You know who's been around forever? I tweeted this out last week. Anders Broman. He's still at Winthrop. Well, yeah, you must be watching a, uh, a Winthrop game on somewhere in the station. Uh, yeah, it was, U- it was Winthrop and UNC Asheville last week on ESPNU. And he's really not done anything, so. It not just a huge loss, it doesn't look like. It just seems like he's been around forever. And when you, when you transfer and you skip a year, and yeah, it's, that's bound to happen, yes. So, Summit League Tournament... Sioux Falls, Saturday through Tuesday, March 3rd through the 6th. It's going to be fun. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again, my friend. Uh, and uh, we're going to enjoy some good basketball over four days, aren't we? Um, Sunday, probably not. Probably bad basketball. Uh, Saturday, I, don't, I mean, it'll be good for one side, not so much good for the other. Um. Two and a half days of good basketball. Oh, you got the China and, Buffet though on Sunday. Well, that's very exciting. That is very exciting. Um, so it's uh, it's my favorite thing all year, and uh, it continues to be. I don't believe you saw Blake Day last year, so that's very disappointing. Mm-hmm. We can rectify the situation this year, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the greatest thing. Uh, that I go to every. Uh, quickly here, some conference tournaments begin next week. We will not have a podcast next week because we'll be at the Summit League tournament. Um, we'll, we'll we'll do our standard Buffalo Wild Wings podcast on Sunday with you, me, and Marcus. Maybe Charlie will join and uh, Dramen. That'll be fun. I'll be the host, host of host of folks. It'll, yes, it'll be great. But uh, Atlantic Sun is already tipped off here. Who do you like in the Atlantic Sun? Uh, Florida Gulf Coast, but watch out for Lipscomb. Lipscomb might do it. Uh, Big South. There's they... a kid. There was a kid in my. Uh, there was a kid in my in my class. His last name was Lipscomb. There we go. Uh, Big South. Who do we like there? That tips off on Tuesday. Big South. Let me see what the hell you got. Big South. UNC Asheville. Okay. Do we like Winthrop? Okay. Yeah, we'll go with. Uh... <laughs> Give me old Winthrop. When in doubt, pick Winthrop. You know know who used to coach at Winthrop? No. George Marshall. Or Greg Marshall, excuse me. Greg Marshall, that name. Very good. Yep. And then a Big Ten tournament in New York City this week. Who do you like? Uh, I like Michigan. Okay, I will take uh, Michigan State. I'll take UNC Asheville in the Big South as well. Will you, t- will you take a team that is not a one or a two seed? Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Um, what ha- what the hell happened to Missouri State after they beat? Did they lose a guy or something? Because after they they looked like world beaters against SDSU and they have fallen off a cliff. 
Yeah, they're the seven seed, so that's not great. They get to play Illinois State. Yeah, Missouri State was supposed to be this great team. And, uh, yeah, they finish in the bottom half of that conference. You know what? If I had to take a, a, a guess in the Missouri Valley, one team that I think could do it would be Drake. If I were to take a lower-seeded team, I would take Drake. Drake. Yes. I'll take, I'll take Chicago. Well, I mean Loyola's good and they're gonna they're gonna do wonderful things, but I I'm just saying if, if there's a team out there that I might like, it, it would be that team. Mm. So I mean Valparaiso finished last. What shit. Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. I mean that's terrible. After the season's over, I'm gonna do a a, a blog post about the the Nathan Stacking conference realignment. It's going to involve at least eight conferences, and we're going to get rid of two of them. You're going to get rid of two conferences? Yes. You're going to get rid of the Missouri Valley? Sure. And you're going to somewhat take the good of that conference, bring it to the Summit League or something? Yes. Or get rid of the Summit League and bring it to the... Valley or something. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll 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 talk about that after the uh, after the season's done. But uh, it's in the it's in the workings. But all right, Crins, we'll see you this weekend. Looking forward to it, my friend. Thanks as always for the time. Mitchell boys won a game. Oh yes, yes. Uh, how could we forget that? Uh, Forty-two games in a row is seven hundred and fifty-three days. They won. Uh, thriller over Pier and the kids stormed the court. And good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, g- good win for Mitchell. I'm very happy that they won. Very good. We'll see you at the summits. The the decade at the falls. Lest very we good. Forget. Be sure to uh, be sure to cover up that uh, Budweiser advertisement on the east side of the building because even though the SDSU post game sponsored by Bud Light or Budweiser. We can't have you have that shown, so cover that up. Yes. No alcohol, kids. No alcohol. That's right. All right. We'll see you this weekend, my friend. All right. Say hi to Jeff Lloyd II. Will do. And Jeff Lloyd II will be joining us. Jeff Lloyd II will be joining us here in just a few minutes here on the Sports Block Podcast. But that was Travis Krenz. I appreciate his time and efforts as always. Yes, the Summit League Tournament is here, folks. We're very excited about it. College basketball conference tournaments are beginning. A lot of optimism in the air, and it's certainly a sight to behold. The Summit League Tournament in Sioux Falls, a decade at the Falls, March 3rd through the 6th, Saturday, beginning at noon, all the way through Sunday, or Tuesday, excuse me, at 8 p.m. Coming up, though, NFL Scouting Combine is this week in Indianapolis. We'll talk with Jeff Lloyd II from Lockdown Browns Podcast, get his thoughts on... uh, at least that we hope to get him on. If not, we'll, we'll blabber on some more. But uh, talk about the, the the combine and who stands to, to make some noise. Uh, help their draft stock. Some players to watch out for. It's going to be good stuff here. We'll talk about that. Uh, coming up here in just a few minutes again, you can find the Sports Block Podcast. Available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at NDStacken. On Facebook, Nathan Stacken as well. Hope to get Jeff Lloyd II coming up here. In just a second, here on the Sports Block Podcast. 
continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, pleased to be joined by good friend and uh, co-host, well, co-host, you are the host of Locked On Browns, uh, the very popular podcast, Mr. Jeff Floyd II. Jeff, how are we doing today? Uh, we're doing well. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're starting to get measurements in first day. You know, offensive linemen and running backs should get it in and get measured. Uh, you know, the process starts where you come in, you go through your measurements, you, you start doing your interviews. Uh, next day, you go to your bench press and that type of stuff. Then Friday, we'll see our first workouts, offensive linemen, running backs. And, you know, just as soon as that's done, they ship them off to the airport. And everybody, it's kind of got like a conga line, if you sort of will. Right, right. Of course, we have you talking about the combine, which is going on right now in Indianapolis. Uh, first off, do we expect any outbursts like Reuben Foster had last year? Uh, I pretty God, not. Uh, let's <laughs> hope. Uh, and now, th- this is the thing, though, but you see a player like that, and now everybody at the time, oh, well, you know what, you know, maybe it's not an issue, da-da-da. And then now you start going back and seeing what's gone on, and then two arrests within three and a half weeks of each other. Yep. I mean, sometimes, you know, some things may scream something, Sometimes it may not, but, you know, in his case, here was a guy that people did have some doubts about. And, you know, now here, you know, you have San Francisco, you know, contemplating whether the fact that, you know, they're going to have to invest heavily in another linebacker because they're not too sure of his future. Absolutely. And so, yeah, and this is a great chance to showcase uh, for a lot of these guys, their skills help, you know, give them a bump in the in the draft stock. And also, I mean, the pro days are incredibly important as well. I saw what Sam Darnold is not going to throw here at the Combine. You do see that uh, with certain quarterbacks because they aren't necessarily throwing to their guys. So there's maybe sometimes you know a timing issue or whatnot. What do you make of the decision by Darnold not to throw at the Combine this week? It's actually kind of funny how this went down. And, and one of the Browns writers uh, you know, comes on my show a lot. His name is Pete Smith. Uh, we wrapped up recording, and we were talking for a few minutes after we were recording Tuesday night. And we were talking about Darnold because there's a lot of talk in um, you know, the QB coach he's working with, uh, you know, putting up videos on Instagram. And Sam Darnold looks a lot different with the way he's doing things. You know, it looks more like uh, you know every quarterback you see. You know, the ball's up closer to the ear where it should be. So we were talking about that, and we were like, well, you know, does he go with the new mechanics at the combine? Does he not? And you know, Pete came back and said, look, if you're going with the new mechanics, he's like, you don't debut that at the combine. He says you got to put it in a scripted environment where you've gone through the you know what you're going to do four or five times a dress rehearsal if you will, so nothing changes when he actually gets to the workout. And you know, wish I would have saved it because we would have had it to put up. But uh, 12 hours later, you know, out came the news that Sam Darnold was only going to throw at the pro day. Right, <laughs> timing is everything, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes it is, um, and you know, I, I understand it. And look, this is the big big knockout people. Um, you know, everybody loves him. They know how intelligent he is. They know the you know the the guy he is on the field. Um, you know, he's never going to back down. Uh, you know, his teammates rally around him. But there's some times, and what we heard over the summer last year was, you know, Sam Darnold's working on his mechanics. They know it's an issue. And then you go to the 17 tape, and, you know, if you want to say maybe it was, you know, a little even uglier than it was in 16, mm-hmm. in some cases it was. Uh, you know, it's an issue. I mean, you can't have your feet facing left when you're trying to, you know, throw the ball, you know, north. It's just there's some, you know, there's some definite work he needs to put in. I'm glad to see he's doing it, and, you know, let's see what happens when we get to, you know, hopefully get to see, you know, USC should be a pretty big pro day. We should be able to get to see a lot of that. I was, I was just going to ask you, do you think this is a wise move on his part to make these mechanical changes? Does this, will these changes help solidify him as the number one overall quarterback? Because you still hear those folks out there that believe that maybe Josh Allen's going to be the number one quarterback taken by the Browns. 
will these changes, do you think, and again, we still have two months before the draft. Uh, there is a pro day involved. Lots can happen. Lots can change. But do you think this is a, a wise investment by Darnold to change his mechanics up and possibly vault him back and solidify him as the solid number one overall quarterback in this draft class? I think from and everyone I'm speaking to and guests that I'm having, I, I think he is number one. Um, he's the only one that could get away with not throwing at the combine. Everyone else, because look, it seems everyone else is trying to find a way to nitpick whoever it is. You know, look, we know Josh Allen just who's, you know, Josh Rosen, you know, whether or not, you know, he's healthy, where his attitude is at, you know, but, when, you know, for me, a lot of that is nonsense. Lamar Jackson, you know, a lot of people, you know, he, Sam Darnold is the only one that could say, I'm not going to throw at the combine, and it's not going to be an issue. He's still going to wow the front offices on the whiteboard. He'll interview well. And the thing is, though, to go into the combine, and like you said, it's different when you're working with guys you don't know. Now, what happens when you prepare or you try to change something in anything you do in life? When you get yourself put into a tough situation, do you go with the changes you made or do you instinctually fall back onto bad habits? And that's, you know, for Sam, that's no, they, everybody wants to see an improved technique. So the best way to do that is to put him in the most comfortable of settings. So it makes a ton of sense that he's not going to throw. And I, I, it's, it's not going to affect him. And the only way it's going to affect him is if he doesn't look good at his pro day. Let's stay with the quarterbacks here. There, This is a very high-profile quarterback class that's coming in to the draft. A lot of big names. Uh, who are guys that you're really looking at here this week at the Combine? And maybe if there's an, another name or two out there that maybe we haven't talked about or, you know, from the senior day, you know, that, that kid from uh, from Richmond or Mike White from Western Kentucky. Who, who are some of the guys that you're really looking at this week? I think I, I think this workout is tremendously huge for Lamar Jackson, and there's a couple factors to it. One, he doesn't have an agent, and his mom's kind of handling everything for him, which, you know, I, I mean, I don't care who your mom is. There's no quarterback in the world that should have this much at stake and be trying to think that, you know, his mom and maybe a couple of family members could handle this. There's mm-hmm. a reason these guys exist. There's a reason these guys have the clientele and make the money they do. This is what they do best. You know what I'm saying? You yep. don't hire the guy who paints your house to cut your grass. So, you know, if he falters at all, you know, agents are there to create, you know, to fix it, damage control. Mm-hmm. His mother can't. But the thing is, is everybody wants to say, oh, well, he's a great athlete. You put him at wide receiver. There's going to be no hesitation, you know, like there was at Louisville where he says, you know what, nothing's here. All right, time to turn on the four, three, five jets and I'll pick up 30 yards or I'll take it to the house because I'm that type of athlete and I can do that. He's going to make every throw because that's just the way it goes. And, you know, we'll get to see what he looks like against a, uh, you know, a bunch of other solid passers, you know, with uh, guys, you know, with arms like Josh Allen. I think people are going to be surprised and do not realize Lamar Jackson's overall arm strength might be the second best of this group. Wow. I think he gets underestimated on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, flick of the wrist, he can fire the ball a long way. Uh, I expect him to look sharp, though. And the other thing for him, though, is also going to be what we hear about interview-wise. Because any interview, you know, these guys go into these interviews, and what they're doing right now is they've been sitting with agents and the guys who work for the agency, and they're fielding 15, 20 questions a day from people that GMs and front office people are going to ask them. Mm-hmm. Is his mother have the same capability to prep him this way? This way, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to ask him, "A, uh, what do you think of the wide receiver talk? Is he going to be able to stay grounded and say?" Look, I understand I'm a great athlete, but at the end of the day, I feel I'm a quarterback. So, you know, for me, I, I don't get that talk. Or is he going to get a little flustered? And this, going through it with his mom, 
you know, we know the way some of these older NFL front offices are. Somebody's going to say, so really, with this much on the line, you went with your mom representing you? And, yep. you know, how is he going to handle that? Um, obviously, his mother's done a fine job. Lamar Jackson, the guy off the field, is clean. There's zero issues. So she's carried him well to this point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, is she capable of doing this? You know, because you look at a guy like Eli Apple, who's got his yeah. mom in charge of everything, and after two years, this guy, this guy's career and stock as far as an NFL player is, you know, basically piss poor right now. Yes, no, absolutely. And we know that there are going to be some borderline or otherwise over the border, like inappropriate questions that uh, some front offices will ask. And I'm sure something regarding his mom being his agent or handling things right now is certainly up there. Do you agree with the Bill Polian talk? I'm just going to say the Bill Polian talk because he's the guy, I guess, that I've heard uh, talk the most about, but it seemed like he had a shovel last week and just kept burying himself alive with his uh, hot takes or lack thereof. He yeah. had a rough few days. He yeah. had a rough few days. Yes, he did. Do you agree, though, that, I mean, I think Lamar Jackson's a quarterback. I don't think, I wouldn't say, hey, you need to switch to wide receiver, even though he is a great athlete. Do you think he can be a quarterback in the NFL? I don't see any reason why he isn't. I think any other talk with that is, you know, first off, let's talk two years. You know, maybe he could Terrell Pryor his way mm-hmm. to wide receiver, but there's no reason to talk about that now. And especially the fact that, you know, everyone projects that worse. He's a top 50 player if he doesn't go first round. Right. Uh, Christian Hackenberg hasn't taken a snap in two years. Anybody talk about making him a tight end? No. So, I mean, that talk is just, you know, and I think a lot of this does have to do with the fact that he doesn't have an agent. You know, Mel Kuyper, you know, about two weeks ago, when we're talking about Josh Allen, ah, accuracy is for losers. Eight days later, he's doing an interview and he's asked about Lamar Jackson. And the first thing he comes with, well, the accuracy is an issue. But meanwhile, now, if Mel Kuyper, uh, you know, was friends with an agent who was representing Lamar Jackson, he maybe would not choose his wording that way. Because, look, these guys get their news from agents. Agents want things funneled out for a reason. When Lamar Jackson does not have an agency looking to do those things for him, this is how you kind of get that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, under the uh, except for the fact that he runs a four three, but keep in mind now he's never run a route in his life. And for me, a former wide receiver in my body, I almost take it as a slap of a disrespect to any wide receiver who's ever played the position. Because look, sure. this isn't oh, little yeah. league where you just say, "Oh, throw Jimmy in right field." You know, oh, go play wide receiver. Well, like is that dar- doggone easy? I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's a little you know it's a little you know of a cop out almost for the wide receiver position. But there is no reason to think whatsoever. He can play NFL quarterback, and you know if he ends up on a bad team, yeah, he still may produce similar to what he did in Louisville, where he can throw for well over 3,500 yards. And if he's on a team that's losing a lot late in games, he could rush for 1,000 yards. There's no reason those abilities can't translate to the NFL nowadays. I, I just don't see it. I mean, if if playing wide receiver was so easy, everyone would be Jake, would be breaking Jerry Rice's records, right? <laughs> there you go. I mean, exactly. Sure, you know, go out there, read, you know, read a high-low coverage, know exactly where you're supposed to break off your route, you know, when you're running uh, anywhere from a 15 to 22-yard dig. Go ahead, go, go do it. Yeah. Th- but you're a wide receiver. It's easy. Go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you know, so it's, you know, look, I understand that he's, a, he's an athlete. Yep. But, uh, you know, as my good friend Mark Schofield actually just did this week, it's great that he's a fantastic athlete. But let's remember one thing. He's a quarterback first. Yep, absolutely. Jeff Lloyd the second from Locked On Browns podcast joining us here on the Sports Block podcast. Uh, offensive line doesn't seem like it. there's a lot of depth in this class once again this year. It's got to be somewhat concerning considering you know how many uh, you know quarterbacks are getting injured here and just the overall play of the offensive line here throughout the NFL. Um, 
what are you seeing from this class? Who's got a chance to really make a move or make a name for themselves? Uh, the, the problem with this class is I would say interior-wise, it is fantastic. You have four or five very good guys who are capable of playing center. The guard class should be outstanding. Yeah, led by the Notre Dame guard. guys, right? Well, Notre, yeah, exactly. Start there. Um, the tackles, you know, are what's iffy. But uh, now even today with some measurements, Connor Williams out of Texas measured in like a guard. Uh, a couple of the uh, uh, the one kid out of Humboldt State, he measured in like a guard. So the t- tackle class gets thinner and thinner. Uh, Orlando Brown uh, out of Oklahoma, an absolute mammoth guy. Colton Miller out of UCLA, another mammoth left tackle. These guys will play left tackle in the NFL. Um, they may, they're probably going to get drafted higher than they should because mm-hmm. the size these guys are. One is almost six foot seven. The other one is uh, damn near six foot nine. They're going to get drafted higher because they don't really have competition. Athletically, they don't project to be elite left tackles. But at the end of the day, it's one of the most important and needed positions in the NFL. But interior-wise, you're going to see depth up until probably early day three because it's a really, really solid group interior. If you can play left guard, you can play right guard. If you can play center, you can play either left guard or right guard as well. It's a really, really good interior group. But, I mean, tackle-wise... It's it's lacking and it's it's pretty beat. Yeah, it, it's pretty bad. It's a scarcity, and you need to take guys to help build. I mean, you're going to reach for some guys, maybe a lot higher, if especially if you know it's a need on your team. Uh, looking elsewhere, any certain any other positions, or uh, I guess on the offensive side, and then we can switch to the defense here if you want to go with both or one side that or one of each. That'll certainly work. But uh, you know. What, which one of these positions has or some of the, the greater depth and you know some names that really we need to keep an eye on this week? Uh, the running back class is just another phenomenal class. Uh, mm-hmm. You know the measurements are coming through today. Uh, one guy, you know, we've talked about a bunch of names to this point. One guy who came in today with great measurements was John Kelly out of Tennessee. Um, he's a guy. As this process goes on, I think uh, the name grows. His you know potential grows as far as where is his landing spot for him. Uh, came in at close to 216 pounds, arm arm length uh, north of 31 inches, which is what you're looking for in a running back. Um, and the other thing is, is some of these running backs have a lot, a lot of use college usage on them. John Kelly isn't one of those guys. So if you're a guy that likes to draft on upside and the fact that you're getting fresh legs and there's still some untapped potential in a running back, he's a guy you're going to look at. Uh, Royce Freeman came in at a great measurement, almost 230 pounds today. Uh, now here's a guy on the other end of that spectrum has a ton of college production and college productivity. So it's good to fare that way. That is a deep, deep group. The wide receiver class is deep, but the issue there is there is not a number one wide receiver at all in this class. There's nobody that's walking in the NFL and being a one. Uh, I would say Calvin Ridley is a guy I am confident to be an NFL number two wide receiver. Then you have a bunch of slot guys, and then you've got a bunch of you know uh, high-pointing type of wide receivers who could transcend into wide receiver twos or could just be part of a good wide receiving core. It's a deep group, but it is not a deep group at one, you know, at the top, top end part. A lot of water bug, West Welker, New England Patriot type of guys. And then you have some jump ball guys and, you know, so it's that type of group. It's deep, but it's not top heavy. 
Well, I mean, wasn't, uh, who's it, Cortland from SMU, isn't that his name? That, uh, I mean, some were projecting as a top five, top ten pick prior to last year and that he was the number one overall pick. You have, what, Christian Kirk from Texas A&M. And, of course, my boy, uh, Jake Wenicke from South Dakota State. I'll, I'll touch on him and uh, Dallas Goddard here uh, in just a moment. But, I mean, wait, did these guys just have bad years? Because it seemed like people were raving about them far more headed into the uh, the college football season now than what they're talking about today uh the thing with christian kirk is it's it's going to be i think a big thing for him is going to be what he runs i think people like him but if it comes back that he's around four or five and don't bring it up on twitter because christian kirk is certainly searching it and if you say he runs closer to a four or five he's all over you um but if he runs in the four or five range that puts him in a group of you know with everybody else if he gets closer to four four that'll open some eyes for him uh, Cortland Sutton, which kind of hurt him, was he didn't go to the Senior Bowl. And then some rumors came out, and there were a couple of people that were asked, and they said, well, if I was as slow as Cortland Sutton, I wouldn't go to the Senior Bowl either. Um, he kind of plays like an inside slot. People are hoping he breaks 4-6 in the 40. So, you know, and he's listed at 6'4", 230. Now, let's say if that comes back at 6'3", 225, and you're only running a 4-6, Where's the special trait there with a guy like Cortland Sutton? Sure. Who yeah. wasn't even the number one productive wide receiver on his team this year. So that's an issue for him. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're going to look out for your, you know, your Jackrabbits, how these guys test. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of hurt. You know, obviously, Dallas Goddard took a big knock at senior ball with only getting a you know, workout for a couple of minutes with a hammy. Uh, the rumor is we're going to get to see almost all of them, which we want because with a smaller school, sometimes the pro days are going to be not as believed as a bigger school pro days because yep. you're not going to get the amount of personnel in appearance that you'd like to, that, you know, where you can trust what they're saying. So we're hoping Dallas Goddard, we can get a nice workout from. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. So let, let, let me uh, let me expand on that then a little bit. Let me ask a couple more questions on there because I have seen, you know, it, and again, this is my bias showing, so, uh, but I am I trying... I can't blame you, one iota. Uh, and, but I'm trying to be measured here and also, you know, I'm trying to be level-headed about it, but I do think, you know, I've seen mock drafts where Dallas Goddard is some, not all of them, it's not a con- not consistent, uh, but I've seen a few where Dallas Goddard, they have going, you know, 27 to the Saints, what, 29 or 30 to the Jaguars or Vikings. I mean, that I've seen that out there. Do you believe, assuming that he doesn't get nicked up at the Combine, that he can do all, you know, everything that... Uh, that teams are asking him or do all the workouts and everything. Do you think he can solidify himself as the top tight end in this class? And would that then mean that we should see him go no later than early second round? I think the biggest thing is, is you, you want to see testing numbers because one of the most difficult things to do is when you're watching film of a lower level is to be able to equate what that speed is against who he's playing against. So you want to be able to see, you know, is he testing like the athlete we think he is from what we're watching in this film? Um, I know guys, Dane Brugler, you know, big, big time guy, Dallas Goddard, number one tight end. I know the guys from Pro Football Focus love him. Most of them have him as the number one tight end in this class. You do want to see some testing numbers to make sure what you're seeing equates to what you think you're seeing. You know, when you watch a guy, you know, blow past SEC competition for two and a half years, you believe the speed you're seeing. So if yes. he wasn't able to test... You agree with it. Um, now, and first things first, when you watch Dallas Goddard play, is he the absolute man-child of the field? 110%. You have no doubts about that. 
You just yeah. want to see how big the gap is between him and those guys, and the test numbers will give that. Yeah, he tests yeah. well. He catches the ball well. You know, going late first round wouldn't be stunning, and it doesn't matter that he hasn't blocked against you know uh, FCS competition because even the top tight ends of the FCS really don't block. Right. So it really doesn't matter. I mean, you can play tight end, and they'll figure out some way to get you to be useful as a blocker. But if you could be a pass receiving option, that's first and foremost what the NFL will care about. I mean, you can't teach size, and you can't you can't go against facts. And facts. I mean, he he had some great uh, seasons at SDSU in terms of the touchdowns, in terms of the yards. Uh, doesn't drop a lot of balls, which is nice. Uh, if you could compare him to one NF uh, to an NFL player, I guess I. It, if if you want to sit on this for a, a little while, and I could come back to you on it. That's certainly fine. I do have one, but go ahead. I, I was thinking, I mean, I've heard Zach Ertz, but I think, you know, if somehow, if he fell to the Patriots there at 31 and they could take him uh, if Gronk comes back, I just think that would be a tremendous one-two combo. I guess I see some more Gronk in Dallas than, you know, maybe not the party so much, but I, in terms of the size and catching ability, I guess that's who I would compare him to, and I get that that's probably lofty and maybe a little over the top, but uh, that's just my thought, versus him versus Ertz. What do you think? Um, I, I, I understand that because you're thinking, you know, you know, pretty solid athletic guy at the tight end position, and I'll go with one from some years back. Dallas Clark out of Iowa was an Indianapolis guy. Gotcha, okay. That type of guy, and, you know, Dallas Clark never made his living in line was not his thing. You know, Marcus Pollard was the blocking tight end. Mm-hmm. A lot of what Dallas Clark did was either within the slot or within an H-back formation, I think, which is ideally how you would start off with a, you know, with a, with Dallas in that situation, that type of role. I think that's what you could be looking at. Keep in mind, you know, Dallas Clark was a late first-round pick. Yes. It was a nice weapon in the NFL, obviously, till his body, you know, basically just gave out on him. But a guy like Dallas Goddard, that, that's the type of thing you can have. Um, as long as he can test in, in the numbers equate to what people think they're seeing, I would say top 45 at worst. Oh, I love hearing that. Uh, how about Jake Wenicke? I mean, I get he had a bunch of drops this year that I th- and the yardage wise, I mean, he just didn't have as much production as he had in previous years. Now, some of that was due to you know defenses rolling you know double coverage against him, and other times you know uh, Taron Christian, the Jack Rabbits quarterback, didn't force it to him as much. Uh, perhaps as in previous years. Where do you see Jake at, and uh, what do you think he can do this weekend? I think with a good timing and good showing, you're talking early day three. I, I think otherwise you're probably going to talk mid-day three. And, I, I, you know, I, I don't say put that in stone, mm-hmm. because once you're going to get to these wide receivers, I'd say maybe your 12 through your 25 ranked guys, it's a widely varying thing. And right. it's, you know, do you want, you know, do you need slot guys so the slot guys are higher on your board? Are you looking at a potential guy? In, uh, I can't believe I'm drawing a uh, – from Minnesota. Not Diggs, the other guy. Oh, uh, Thielen, Thielen. Exactly. Or do you want a guy that you think, you know, look, I mean, he kind of size-wise, everything there kind of checks that box. If he, you know, puts in the work and, you know, like Thielen did, played some special teams, hung around long enough that he got some reps, and then finally someone said, you want to know what? Why don't we actually throw him in a game and see what he can do? Mm-hmm. You know, so pay your due type of thing. But, you know, look, being highly productive, that is one of the first things people are going to look at. No one's going to look at a small school guy and say, well, I just love the athleticism because everyone right. else is going to look at it and say, well, what did it translate to? So, you know, with Wenicke, he's got the numbers. You know, sometimes it's better to be more smart than athletic if you understand how to read coverage and adjust your movement on the fly as opposed to the way, you know, defenders are playing you. 
which you th- which you see with him. Mm-hmm. So you know, definitely an interesting guy. Uh, with good workouts, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it was high day three. Otherwise, I'd say mid day three. But there's so many guys that are going to be in that range. It's going to be hard to tell where they specifically go because a lot of them are going to be drafted on what they appear to be in the NFL, whether it's a slot guy and you know an outside guy that type of thing. Absolutely. A, a final question here. Uh, we'll get you out, and uh, hopefully we'll get you on either next week or week after to talk about um, you know recap this. But uh, the combine. But is there anything else specifically that you are looking at that you're really interested in over the next few days um, as we watch all the action live from Indy? I, I think uh, what I'm looking at is is I, I like the cornerback class. I don't think it's you know like Denzel Ward is top ten. I don't think there's any cornerback probably worthy of top ten in this class. I don't care how big of a need it is for you. But what I do like about this cornerback class is you have a bunch of guys, whether it's a Carlton Davis or it's a various McFadden. These bigger, longer guys who are really good at the jam and can hold guys up at the line of scrimmage. But we want to see some testing numbers with these guys. Uh, you know, can they flip their hips? Are they agile enough? Because look, you can have the best jam, jam technique in the world. You're going to lose at times. And, you know, are, when you lose, are you able to make up for it and still make a play? So that's what you see from these guys who can get physical at the line. And they're going to have to be careful early on in their careers. Because nobody's going to do him any favors. You know, you take Xavier Rhodes as an example. Yeah. You know, Xavier Rhodes is as physical as they come. And as he's gotten better and his reps gotten better, he gets the benefit of the doubt more often than not now. You know, with these guys, you know, you can't, you know, you're going to come in as a rookie and try to be handsy and try yeah. to be a little physical. It's going to end up where you get yourself in a little bit of trouble. So they are, are they athletic enough to turn it around? Um, to Derwin James and Mika Fitzpatrick. Yes. This is, it's, I think, Top-heavy safety class with those two. I think there's some good players once you start going maybe the mid-second round. But these two guys should put up ridiculous workouts. Uh, Derwin James is going to come in damn near 200, maybe damn near 225 pounds if he decided to go the yoked-up route. Uh, run right around four, five, or less. He was going to jump out the gym. Minky Fitzpatrick is going to come in with all these credits and accolades from Nick Saban of being one of the greatest safeties he's ever had. He's going to test like a cornerback. And a damn good one. So those two guys are going to be a real, real fun watch on Monday. Excellent. Jeff, I always appreciate the time. Great insight as always. And uh, we'll chat soon, uh, re- recapping this here. Enjoy the weekend, though, and uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens, who uh, who makes a name for themselves in a good way and a bad way. But hopefully no Reuben Foster sort of situations uh, and yelling at medical staff. That would be excellent. Look, if you're there to get a physical, just sit and wait your stick and turn. It doesn't matter if you went to Akron or Alabama. Your name is cold when your name is cold. Absolutely. Jeff, thank you so much for the time, uh, and uh, we'll, ta- we'll talk soon. Thank you. You got it, Nathan. Have yourself a great one, buddy. You too. Jeff Lloyd II from Locked On Browns Podcast. Very popular podcast. Definitely uh, give that a listen to. Of course, the Browns have a lot of capital here in the draft. They got a new GM. They'll be aggressive in free agency. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to, again, I'm a tad biased, like I say, but Dallas Goddard, I think he's first round talent. Jake Wenicke, if he had been just a tad more consistent, probably looking at uh, round two, maybe early round three. But uh, with that, yeah, you know what? If he goes early fourth round, eh, it's something I can accept. Something I can accept. Uh, what you can also expect and accept is that the Summit League Tournament is in Sioux Falls this Saturday through Tuesday, March 3rd through the 6th. Going to be a fun time. I'll be down there. Travis will be down there. Marcus uh, will be down there. Charlie will be, uh, I think, making an appearance. So that would be great. We're going to enjoy a lot of good basketball. Uh 
We're going to hope for two SDSU wins. I, I mean, it's very likely, in my estimation, that we are going to see both championship games feature the two South Dakota schools. USD versus SDSU on the women's side, SDSU versus USD on the men's side. And, uh, again, I think the women have played, they have not played a great game against USD yet, but very difficult to beat a team three times in one year, so I will go with the SDSU women. As for the men, I pray that I am wrong here, but I I picked USD at the beginning of the season. SDSU has had a tendency to let leads slip away from them this year. For the most part, they've succeeded in winning those games. But look back to the Fort Wayne game last week and the USD game. You know how the, how those leads slipped away so suddenly um, in the in the non con even against Fort Wayne in the the first meeting at Frost. It that they had a lead and they only won by two. Those things can't happen. So hopefully SDSU plays with a lot of intensity and they can get back to the NCAA tournament because this would be their best team. And I think I I could say that rather confidently. I think this would be a better team than the Dom Marshall, uh, George Marshall, DeAndre Parks team. It would be close. I think those two are comparable. I mean, we're talking about you know the school that had Nate Walters, and Walters team would probably be third on this list one of the one of the teams but we'll see how it goes uh, again summit league tournament uh, we'll see who's dancing we won't have a podcast next week hopefully though in two weeks well for sure in two weeks we will have the best podcast that we do all year travis and i break down the bracket make our picks um i feel like this year will be far more difficult than in years past so uh you know, have your picks all ready and then maybe make some adjustments to what we say. But then again, we don't always win the bracket challenges. So, I mean, take it for what it's worth. But uh, it's going to be fun. It's our best podcast. It's our favorite podcast to do all year long. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. So listen to that podcast here in a couple of weeks. Again, no podcast next week. But hopefully we're talking about SDSU in the NCAA tournament in a couple of weeks. You can find this podcast available online on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block Podcast. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at NDStacken. Or uh, friends with me on Facebook, Nathan Stacken. I'll have a link posted to this podcast uh, later, middle part of the week, per usual. Uh, SDSU podcast hopefully will be up this week as well. So uh, take a look at that. Maybe we'll try and figure out a new Twitter handle as well uh, for the Sports Block. Get that going. But anyway, hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Yeah, no podcast next week. Enjoy the Summit League Tournament. We'll be back in two weeks for the best podcast of the year, the Bracket Breakdown. We make all the picks for the NCAA Tournament. Best uh, podcast of the year by far. So uh, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. No, not next week. Two weeks on the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Sacken saying thank you. Enjoy conference tournament. Enjoy the madness that is March that's coming up. We'll be back in two weeks to break it all down on the Sports Block Podcast.